What's up, Dolphin fans? This is Aaron Katzker, a.k.a. Aaron the Brain, and this is another episode of the same old Dolphin show, flying solo again for our Week 7 preview of the Miami Dolphins matchup against the New York Jets, a grudge match. We're going to break down the ins and outs of this matchup and what to expect going into this huge, pivotal, divisional rivalry. But before we do, just a reminder, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on whatever podcatcher you use on iTunes or whatever. Uh, let us know what you think, good or bad. Help us help you receive the best possible show, the best possible product that we can give you. Uh, again, subscribe, rate, and review to Same Old Dolphin Show. And follow us on Twitter, at Same Old Dolphins. And uh, special thanks to Bad Bruno for giving us our punk rock version of the Dolphins fight song, which we use every week as our intro. So, here we are going into week seven the weather has has changed, has begun to change down here, and that is uh, wreaked havoc on my immune system. When I say that the weather has changed, I mean, uh, you know, when I went outside uh, this week, instead of it being 94 degrees, it was about 87. That small change was enough to uh, trigger a cold, and uh, thankfully, I've gotten over it to the point where I'm able to record this show. Had we had we done this two days ago, I would not be able to speak at all, and you would not want to listen to me. I, I, I'm sure that I don't sound 100%, but, you know, 90%, 85%, it's, it's good enough to give it a go. Uh, if, if we can get uh, Devontae Parker out there on 85 to 90%, then, then I can get out there on 85 to 90%. Whether or not we'll actually see Devontae Parker this week, uh, that remains to be seen. He, he's looking doubtful as we sit here now. But before we get into this game, just a, a quick breakdown of, of why this is such a huge game, uh, where we are in the standings coming into Week 7. We've already have one game in the books uh, the Oakland Raiders pulling off uh, a late, miraculous, uh, game-winning drive to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs and give the Chiefs their second straight loss, uh, further putting the AFC uh, into a, a mess of parity, just a, a ton of teams with two or three losses in the conference as we sit here now Literally, every team in the AFC has at least two losses. The Dolphins are one of them. That means the Dolphins at this moment are tied with, with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, and the Denver Broncos in the loss column for, for first in, in the AFC. I mean, granted, the, the Dolphins have three wins. Uh, Pittsburgh and New England each have four, and Kansas City has five wins, so the Dolphins aren't exactly in first place. But if the season were to end today, which it does not, the Dolphins would be a playoff team. And this is a potential separation weekend for a lot of these teams. And the Dolphins sit right now a half game ahead of the New York Jets, in you know both the division and in the conference, the Jets at three and three, 
the Jets, after looking brutal the first two weeks of the season and looking like one of the worst teams in the league starting 0-2, turn their season around with a 20-6 shellacking of the Dolphins in Week 3. Well, it's actually Week 4. And uh, that gave that that put them en route to a three-game winning streak. Uh, but then they they lose last week in a close one to the Patriots. A controversial call uh, was the was the big headline there. Not sure that they would have won it even if the call had gone their way, but it certainly didn't help. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a huge game for both teams, and it's a rivalry game. Uh, this is a rivalry that. That dates back, you know, all the way to to when the Dolphins were were first, you know, created. Uh, and we've had some memorable moments in this rivalry. And I'll have a memorable moment for our segment of this week in Dolphins history to cap off the show. Uh, but this has been one of the best rivalries in football uh, in its existence, certainly through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Uh, this team, these two teams had some memorable matchups, and and perhaps we'll get one of those matchups. It's it's not had the same cachet over the last, I would say, six or seven years. As neither of these teams have really been, you know, in the race for for contending for the AFC. And that's not to say that they are this year, but with both teams being close and it being already their their second matchup of the year. And the first one taking a lot of people by surprise. Uh, this is this is a huge game, and it's it's especially big for a Dolphins team that is starting to feel good about itself. It was looking really bad uh, after losing two in a row after winning the opener, but two straight wins. It hasn't been pretty, but the Dolphins find themselves at three and two, and feel like if. If they can get another win, things are moving in the right direction. So, we're going to get into this game, but before we do, we're just going to go over a little bit of the last game. The last time these two met uh, was the Dolphins' third game, or was the Dolphins' second game of the season, was the Jets' third game of the season, and the Jets came into the game 0-2. The Dolphins came into the game feeling really good about a, a late victory over the LA Chargers to open up their season, open up the Jay Cutler era, and felt like, all right, we're going into New York. Yeah, it's a road game. Yeah, it's a rivalry game. But the Dolphins were were heavy favorites coming in. And that's why they play the games, because it did not play out any way that in any way the way that we thought it would. The Jets basically Jumped on the Dolphins early. The Dolphins couldn't get anything going offensively, really, the in, the entire game. Uh, the Jets the, the Jets got a field goal uh, early in the second quarter. It was a defensive struggle for, for the majority of the game, for especially in the majority of the first half. And then the Jets up 3-0 late in the first quarter, get a 69-yard touchdown pass from Josh McCown to Robbie Anderson, puts them up 10-0 going into the half. And then coming out of the half after a Dolphins 3-and-out, the Jets drive right down the field and go up 17-0. And it was at that point where you kind of felt like 
the the floor was was falling out or whatever the phrase is as I as I have a little mental lapse as the mucus spreads from my sinuses into my brain and slows me down a little bit. Uh, but the Dolphins uh, really seem to kind of lose faith, look all kinds of out of sorts. Uh, had a couple of drives, uh, one ending in an interception, one ending in a a turnover on downs uh, on a couple of last ditch efforts to try to make this a game. Then down twenty to nothing, the Dolphins get a garbage time touchdown. One where they actually called a timeout with six seconds left to get an extra playoff so that Jay Cutler could throw a touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. Save for that play, the Dolphins would have with by then being shut out in their next game against the Saints, the Dolphins would have been shut out two weeks in a row, uh, but they did manage to get that touchdown late in the game as time expired against the Jets, making that final score 20-6. to Of course, Cody Parkey then missed the extra point, just uh, appropriately capping off what was just a miserable game for the Miami Dolphins. But things are a little bit different now. Uh, the Jets, to their credit, they have looked better than than most prognosticators would have expected. Most of the experts would have had the Jets as one of the worst teams in the league, and by season's end, they still might be. But the Jets right now, 3-3. Three and three, Like I said, the win against the Dolphins uh, was followed up by two more wins, a win over Jacksonville and a win over Cleveland. Again, not, not really world beaters, but... Look, you, you got to play the teams that are in front of you, and, and the Jets have been a decent team. And it's been what's been surprising has been the the development of their their defense, particularly in the secondary. They've got two young safeties that have really kind of stabilized what looked to be one of the worst secondaries in the league at the start of the season, and now has been a pretty good secondary and, and a pretty good defense in general, uh, and one that the Dolphins will have their hands full with. Uh, And on the Dolphins' end, like I said, you're coming off of back-to-back victories. It hasn't been pretty, but what this team has shown is this team has shown a lot of resiliency. Uh, In the game against Tennessee, uh, with the game tied at 10, uh, they had a real physical long drive ending in a touchdown really played arguably their best quarter of football against Tennessee in the fourth quarter of that game and then didn't really pick up where they left off the following week in Atlanta uh, as Atlanta kind of bull rushed them and Miami went into halftime of that game down 17-0. But again, the resiliency of this team, they righted the ship, the defense pitched a shutout in the second half, was absolutely phenomenal. And the offense, yes, aided by some crucial Atlanta mistakes, got it going. Uh, you know, tough running, basically from start to finish, uh, protecting the passer. Jay Cutler, for the first time all year long, was not sacked. And for the first time all year long, the Dolphins were able to string more than one drive together where they looked like a competent offense where they were able to get into the end zone. Uh, 
you know, and we're able to pick up some third downs. So the Dolphins come in with some momentum. The Jets, again, uh, we're riding a wave of momentum before their tough loss last week to the Patriots. So as we break down this game, we're going to look at the keys to the game. I've got three keys to the game. Key number one for Miami. There's no doubt about this one. Miami has to run the ball. Uh, this is going to be a key every single week for this team. And we've seen it through their first five games. When this team can run the ball, they've got a chance. When they can't run the ball, they simply cannot score. And if you cannot score, you cannot win, regardless of how well the defense plays. Key stat in the Dolphins' three wins, they've rushed the ball 94 times for 349 yards. It's only 3.7 yards per carry, which is not great. Uh, it's it's average, might maybe even below average. But the key stat there, 94 carries, 30 carries, 31 carries, 33 carries. Those are the carry numbers in the Dolphins' wins. They've been able to sustain a running game, even if it hasn't been super effective. It's been effective enough to where they've been able to stick with it and it's enabled them to control the ball, control the time of possession, get some physicality. And then in the fourth quarter of games, when you really need to run the ball, they've been able to run the ball well in the fourth quarter when it matters. In contrast to that, in their two losses, only 30 carries for 88 yards and a paltry 2.9 yards per carry, which again, the yards per carry is bad, but it, it you know it's not even a full yard less than their yards per carry in their wins. But the key stat, only 30 carries in those two losses. That's 15 carries per game compared to the three wins when they've averaged 31, just over 31 carries per game. So if the Dolphins are going to win this game, they've got to run the ball and they've got to stick with the running game regardless of the game script. I think one of the things that have been kind of overlooked and underrated about last week, and I, you know, I've been very critical of Coach Gase early in this season. I think he deserves uh, some applause for the fact that down 17-0, a lot of coaches would have abandoned the running game and would have changed up the strategy. He looked at it and said, look, we ran the ball pretty effectively in the first half of the game against Atlanta. If we can get back to it and start finishing off some drives and then the defense helps us out and doesn't let this game get out of hand, we can stick with the running game. And sticking with the running game proved to be a great strategy in the game last week. And one that if they had gone away from it, I think that game could have gotten out of hand because the defense would have ended up being on the field a bit too much. Atlanta would have probably ended up with a couple of more scores. And that game could have been like a 31 to 14 kind of game as opposed to a Dolphins victory 20 to 7. Key number two, they've got to get pressure on Josh McCown. The Dolphins defense through the first three weeks, they were kind of struggling to get to the opposing quarterback. And the and the defense wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, the defense has kind of been solidified. They've gotten some pieces back. You got Lawrence Timmons back. Now you got Ray Maluga back. Uh, 
You've kind of settled things at the corners. It looks like Cordray Tankersley has solidified himself as the second starting corner opposite Xavier Howard. And they, they seem to be gelling as a unit. They seem to be in the right place. They know where, where they're supposed to be. Guys are playing off of each other, and it's enabled them to really get after the quarterback with their front four. And that's actually, to be more specific with the key, it's not just to get pressure on Josh McCown, it's to get pressure with the front four. Some key stats here, Josh McCown, a 71.6 passer rating, QB rating, when under pressure. Uh, that's it's pretty average. That's it's actually tied for 15th in the league among quarterbacks as far as quarterback rating while under pressure. But when facing a blitz, 94.9. That means Josh McCown has been really good at diagnosing where the extra rushers are coming from, and when teams have blitzed him, he's been good at picking it up. The Jets as an offense between their offensive line and their protection and their running backs have been good at picking up blitzes and Josh McCown has been good at hitting his hot reads when the opposing team blitzes 94.9 passer rating against the blitz but only 71.6 against pressure that means the Dolphins need to find a way to get pressure with their front four and not have to blitz which would give Josh McCown a deciding advantage. Just another couple of stats. Josh McCown, look, not seen as being this this great quarterback, and he's not. He he's a glorified game manager, but he's a he, he's a solid game manager, and he's a quarterback that if you don't put him under pressure and you don't force him to make mistakes, he won't make them. And he's been throwing the ball downfield really well. A hundred four quarterback rating when throwing intermediate routes 102.4 when throwing the ball downfield again this just brings us back to get pressure on the quarterback and not allow him the time to stand in the pocket to complete those intermediate and deep routes if you can force him to check down these linebackers for the Dolphins have done a great job of limiting yards after the catch uh and the Dolphins the last two weeks have done a good job of, of forcing some turnovers. So if they can continue that, they can have success against Josh McCown and this Jets offense. And finally, key number three, Dolphins want to get pressure on Josh McCown. And when they have the ball, they need to keep the pressure off of Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, 30th in the NFL in, in quarterback rating when under pressure, but has been solid when, you know, he hasn't been fantastic, but he's been solid when has when he hasn't been under pressure. The Dolphins haven't thrown the ball down the field that much uh, so far this season, and with it looking like Devontae Parker probably isn't going to play, I think it's likely we're not going to see the Dolphins throwing the ball downfield too much. You might see them take a couple of shots uh, down down the field to Kenny Stills if they're there. But it seems like when the Dolphins want to throw the ball down the field, they want to throw it to a big target, a guy like Devontae Parker. And when he's not out on the field, I don't know that it is a huge part of this offense to throw the ball down the field. So I do expect a lot of the same. It's very vanilla. It's it's not exciting. 
but I think you're going to see a lot of the screen passes, a lot of the little five-yard slants and five-yard crossing routes, and it means that the Dolphins absolutely have to run the ball and absolutely need to be precise in their routes, need to be need to get some yards after catch, but also they need to protect Jay Cutler so he can be quick and decisive with his throws, not throw the ball off of his back foot. When he throws off of his back foot, bad things happen. When he improvises, bad things happen. Dolphins offensive line needs to needs to pitch a shutout as far as sacks like they did last week. If they do that, they'll have some success. The good news here is that the Jets defense, while it's been improved over the past uh, three or four games or so, they are still 31st out of 32 teams in sack percentage. Sacking the quarterback on only 3.23% of dropbacks and have recorded only seven sacks in six games this season. So it's not been a prolific pass rush for the New York Jets. So it seems to be a good matchup for the Dolphins. That said, you know, the Jets have, have recorded seven sacks in six games. Three of those seven sacks came in the game against the Dolphins. So the Dolphins absolutely have to clean that up and have to do a better job of protecting Jay Cutler. And the offensive line needs to do a better job of creating holes for Jay Ajayi because two of the three keys in this game center around that Dolphins offensive line. So those are the keys. Here's the prediction. I believe that the Dolphins took the Jets like lightly when they came out in week three in the Meadowlands, uh, the Jets looked to be one of the worst teams in the league. The Dolphins were riding high after an opening week victory. That's not going to be the case this time. The Jets have the Dolphins' attention. The Dolphins cannot be feeling they they can't be feeling themselves too much because they could very easily they they could very easily be zero and five this year. Uh, all three wins have been close games. Two of the three wins have you you can make the argument that they're lucky. I mean, you can make the argument that all three wins are lucky. I'm not going to say that all three wins are lucky. I would say that the Dolphins have had their fair amount of good fortune in those victories. But regardless, the Dolphins can't feel like world beaters right now. They can't feel so good that they can just come in and show up and win. And I think that's the lesson that uh, they probably had to learn the tough way uh, the last time these two teams met up. The Dolphins will have a chip on their shoulder. I think they've put some things together as far as running the ball. The offense seems to, while it it's not good, I think they seem to be kind of putting it together. You see them getting closer over the last couple of weeks to being at least a competent offense. And the defense has looked legit. Since that Jets game, where the defense was kind of iffy, they did give up 20 points to the Saints, but that was a game where the Dolphins got absolutely nothing out of their offense, and the defense kept the Dolphins in the game against the Saints for the majority of the game, and I believe the Saints only had 10 points through three quarters, so it was really a heck of a job by the defense in that game, and then the last two weeks, uh, save for a big for one big play uh, against Atlanta, the defense has really been stout. Uh, they've started to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they look like a more complete 
linebacking core. It's actually been a good linebacking core, and that's been the that was the biggest question mark on the team coming into the season. So that seems to be in, to have been solidified. And the one constant all year is that the Dolphins have been able to stop the run. Uh, the Jets want to run the football. Uh, they haven't been great at it. But when they're able to, it makes Josh McCown a better quarterback because Josh McCown is not a guy that's going to carry you to victory. Uh, and that's not a game plan that really works for the Jets if they have to rely on Josh McCown you know, throwing the ball 40 times a game. I think the Dolphins will come out with the same game plan of stopping the run. I think they'll have success. I think the offense will do a little bit more than than it has, but I, I still don't think, I, I, I don't have delusions like, like many people had that this was going to be the best offense since the Marino days. That's what a lot of people were saying coming into the season. I don't think that this offense has it in them, at least without Devontae Parker, and at least at this moment. So I think this is still a game where the Dolphins are going to have to grind it out, but I think they get a little bit going with their offense. I think they're able to run the ball against the Jets. And I think that this is a close game, but I think it's a game where the Dolphins run the ball well, the defense continues to play well, Dolphins at home. I like the Dolphins to win this one, and I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I'm taking the Dolphins 16-13. to 13. So that is my prediction on the Dolphins Week 7 matchup. It would put the Dolphins at 4-2 and two and actually in great shape to, to make the playoffs. Granted, it's still very early, but uh, look, it would be their third win in a row. Uh, but it's just a prediction, and I haven't been exactly on the money with them this year. I believe I've picked the Dolphins in all but one of the games this season, and I... And I believe the one game that I didn't pick them in was last week. So that means I have only picked one of their games correctly, and that has been the opener. So if if I'm predicting them to win, maybe the, maybe the play here is to, to put your money on the Jets. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, I, I am a Dolphin fan, although I have been accused of being, uh, you know, sort of a negative fan. I will be rooting for them this Sunday as I do every Sunday or sometimes on Thursday and sometimes on Monday. That's going to bring us to this week in Dolphins history. And as I teased earlier, our This Week in Dolphins history is going to focus on a prior Miami Dolphins-New York Jets matchup. We're going to go back to October 23rd, 1988. The Miami Dolphins play the New York Jets in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, and the Jets jumped all over the Dolphins to the tune of 30-10 before Dan Marino started to lead a furious comeback. At one point, getting the Dolphins within a touchdown to 37-30 before the Jets would put it away and end up winning the game 44-30. to A classic late 80s, early 90s, Marino versus Ken O'Brien shootout. The importance of this game is that in that game, Dan Marino throws for a career high 
In his illustrious career, a career that ended with him being the all-time leader in passing yardage, Dan Marino in this game throws for 521 yards on 35 of 60 and three touchdowns, but also five interceptions. But he sets his career high. It would stand as his career high when it was all said and done for his entire career 521 yards passing, the most ever thrown by Dan Marino and the most ever thrown by any quarterback in a Dolphins game, albeit in a losing effort. And if there's nothing more same old Dolphins than that, then having your best totals come in a losing effort, then I don't know uh, what is. So that's going to wrap us up. We will be back later in the week, uh, either right after the game on Sunday, if not on Monday, to do our recap show, and hopefully it will be following a Dolphins victory. But as we always say, don't be surprised if the Dolphins fall short, because there is a reason that we call it the same old Dolphins show. See you guys later in the week. Go Dolphins.